Welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha, a podcast shared by David Roylance. This podcast is dedicated to guiding you to completely eliminate the discontent mind and the suffering it causes by attaining enlightenment. Learn and practice the teachings of Gautama Buddha that will guide you to fully attain a peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy. To support this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha or visit buddhadailywisdom.com where you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online learning resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Now, here's our teacher to share more. Sawadikap. Hello and welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha. Today we're in Chapter 2 of our group learning program. This is titled, Why Study Gautama Buddha's Teachings? If you've downloaded this book or acquired a printed copy in some way, either you print it yourself or ordered it from Amazon, then you see in the chapter the content that I shared in terms of why I feel that it would be important for somebody to study Gautama Buddha's teachings. During the lifetime of the Buddha, there was really only one reason to actually study the Buddha's teachings, which is the attainment of enlightenment, to get to this peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy. That's what people did in order to moving the mind to this enlightened mental state. The Buddha really didn't have anything to offer them because he left from the royal palace in order to take up this life of homelessness and people would leave their home life in order to join him in learning and practicing the teachings to attain enlightenment. But today, there may be multiple different reasons why you think that it would be important to study the teachings of the Buddha. And you may have read this chapter already, or you plan to read it after class, or maybe you're going to read it before and after class. But rather than me sit here as I normally do and provide a talk or a discourse on each one of the individual chapters, here at the beginning of our group learning program, I usually spend this time to kind of lead a group discussion where you guys can get a chance to talk and get to know each other and share the reasons why you've chosen to study Gautama Buddha's teachings. This is a great time to get to know each other, share a bit about your journey, help us to understand your name, where you're from, maybe if you'd like to share your age or your occupation, what you kind of do on a daily basis, and what is it that brought you to Gautama Buddha's teachings. For any of you that have been studying Gautama Buddha's teachings for any length of time, if you would like to even share some of the results that you've seen and observed through practicing Gautama Buddha's teachings and things that you found to be helpful, or even if you've found certain challenges or certain struggles along the way and maybe you would have some advice to share with others about some roadblocks or some hurdles that you were able to move past and you would like to kind of share that information with others as they're now starting their journey. So I'd like to welcome all of you whether you've been studying with me for many months or years or whether this is your first class or maybe you've just started learning with me in the last month or two. Welcome to all of you This is a great time, as I mentioned, to get a chance to know each other because now that we're connecting online and people are in Zoom, people are in Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Periscope, people are listening on our podcast, there's thousands of people all over the world that are learning these teachings from these resources that I share, but it's really rare that we get a chance to kind of all connect and just have a 
nice group discussion. So that's what we're going to be doing today. Bossum and all and Nick are our moderators, so they're going to look for any comments that you guys share in Facebook or YouTube and be sure they get shared into the class. But for those of you guys that are in Facebook or YouTube, I would like to encourage you to join us here in Zoom where you can talk and meet some other students and share some thoughts and ideas that you have on this topic of why you've chosen to study Gautama Buddha's teachings. So what I'm going to do is essentially turn the class over to all of you guys and just kind of listen and try to understand from your perspective of why you've chosen to study Gautama Buddha's teachings and that can even help me as a teacher to further guide you on this path. So welcome. I'll go ahead and turn things over to Bossum and all of you. As you would like to share in Zoom, you can just electronically raise your hand and Bossum will call on you. And for those of you guys in YouTube and Facebook, you can just put your comment there and Manal or Nick will be able to see that and then share your comment during the class. I'm not sure. Well, I, uh, if I will be talking about uh, my personal journey, I think uh, choosing to study and practice Gautama Buddha's teachings was for several reasons. Uh, one of them is that uh, I think uh, I think every being will agree with me with this: uh, that life is really tough in whatever in in all different countries, whatever economical system, whatever policies, life is really tough for the vast majority, if for not all people. So I think that Gautama Buddha really was wise to know exactly the cause of this discontentedness experienced in the mind and providing a wise and deep solution for this. So I, I think it, it really makes sense to take, to apply some effort, some energy to live a better life instead of continuing or pursuing life which is really full of discontentedness. And one of the first points that I noticed about Gautama Buddha that he decided to dedicate the rest of his life for sharing these teachings only for the benefit of others. He, he has no interest, he had no interest to get fame, to get money, to, or even to be worshipped from others. His only goal was just to provide the required wisdom for every being who is really dedicated to improve their own life. A, um, one of the other points was that until now, about uh, one year and a half, or maybe two years, studying uh, the teachings, I didn't find any contradiction in all his teachings. So uh, this wasn't the case with the other traditions I, I was exposed to before. So uh, for me, this is really a good reason to apply time and effort and energy to practice and study these teachings, who are uh, which were a, from a very wise a leader or teacher. A, another point was that uh, it wasn't like you need to do these rites, these rituals. You need to do this and this and that, and after your death, you will know that that was the truth. 
this isn't the case with the teachings of Gautama Buddha. Actually, let's say a week after week or maybe month after month, a practitioner is able to observe an improved condition of the mind and also improved life for themselves and maybe for all those who are around them. Uh, one more point is that the, the teachings were really provided in a, such a simple way. They were not provided for those elite, for those who had uh, PhD degrees from certain universities. They were really a, um, provided in a very simple way for, for, to make anyone able to study, learn, and practice the teachings. A, uh, through this journey, I, before starting to come to these teachings, I experienced a lot, a lot of discontentedness. One of these was really fears. I experienced a lot of fears from many, many things. Uh, this is not the case now. Actually, many things improved. I would say everything improved in my life. Uh, one last point is that uh, for, for decades, I was wondering what may be the, the goal of this life. If after everything, life will end and death will be the end of everything. I, uh, after learning these teachings, I think that improving the condition of the mind, living a life without any discontentedness, and maybe after this, dedicating some time to share these teachings with others, would be really a very good goal of life. That's for me. That's very thorough, Bossum. Thanks for sharing that with us. And uh, you said a lot of important things there. And could you share with us uh, where you're from? Yes, Egypt. <laughs> okay, great. Thank you. So, yeah, there was something that you were sharing there about how a Buddha has no interest in fame or fortune. Their only interest is to help others through sharing their teachings. And whoever has a sincere interest to learn and practice, a Buddha is willing to share the teachings with that individual. But it's up to each individual to choose to seek the teachings. A Buddha isn't going to try to force or manipulate or have coercive means or corruption in order to try to convince people to learn and practice their teachings because there's nothing that they're interested in in terms of acquiring some worldly possession. If you can think about the Buddha, he was a royal prince. He was about to become the king of his kingdom. He had everything in terms of monetary wealth. He had fame. He had fortune. He had a lot of respect in the community. He left all of that and went into homelessness and walked down the street and accepted food and clothing and shelter and water and medical supplies from those who chose to provide it to him. And I imagine his existence in that life was very different than being a member of the royal family. I imagine that there was many times that he didn't have the things that he maybe perhaps needed at one particular time or another or something that he had gotten used to from being a royal prince. But he wasn't interested in accumulation of wealth or any kind of fame or notoriety or anything like this. He stepped down from all that and left all that behind as a way of sharing the teachings with anyone who was interested. And rather than go out and try to twist people's arms to try to learn what he had to share, he just made himself available because an enlightened being and surely a Buddha. 
there's nothing else in their mind that they really want. They've let go of everything. The only thing that they're doing for the rest of their life is making themselves available to all those who choose to learn and practice their teachings. And they're not trying to get money or they're not trying to acquire worldly possessions or try to acquire jewelry or cars or they're not interested in having sexual relations with anybody that they're around. The enlightened being and surely fully perfectly enlightened Buddha has shed all of that. They're not interested in taking anything. They're only interested in sharing out of compassion for the rest of the world, the concern for the misfortune of others. And that's what the Buddha did for the rest of his life for 45 years is he made himself available and countless people attained enlightenment during his lifetime and then after his death. And today, 2,500 years later, we're still able to learn and practice his teachings and attain that same mental state that's peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy, no longer experiencing any discontentedness or as you were describing, Basim, no longer experiencing the struggles and difficulties of life. Because to exist in a world that we don't understand is a real struggle. It's really difficult because what the Buddhist teachings are doing is explaining the natural laws of existence to us. Because in the unenlightened state, we don't understand what we don't understand. And that ignorance or that lack of wisdom, that unknowing of true reality really hinders us from being able to live a fulfilling life because there's constant decisions that we encounter on a day-to-day basis that we might struggle with and have real difficulties with. And our mind becoming discontent in the unenlightened state, if there's anger, sadness, frustration, irritation, annoyance, guilt, shame, fear, boredom, loneliness, shyness, resentment, jealousy, all of these discontent feelings and others makes it increasingly more difficult and challenging to make wise decisions in the world and live a peaceful life. So what the path to enlightenment does for us is it removes all of that from our mind, but we're the ones who have to do the work in order to learn and gain this wisdom and then make wiser and wiser decisions in our life about the way that we choose to practice these teachings. In developing our life practice, we can eliminate all discontentedness and no longer experience the struggles and difficulties in life. There'll still be challenges. There's always gonna be challenges in life, but for an enlightened being, they have so much wisdom that any challenge that they encounter, it's no longer a problem. It's just a challenge because an enlightened being knows that this situation is impermanent, whatever they're facing. It's just a matter of applying the appropriate wisdom to move past that and beyond that into the next step. And once the appropriate wisdom has been applied, the appropriate decision-making has occurred, you're just on to the next thing. Where when we don't have the wisdom and we struggle and have difficulties, we contemplate and we ruminate and we just get so stressed out about any certain decision that we need to make and then we put this pressure on ourselves, and life seems like it's almost closing in on us with all this pressure. But once you have the wisdom of how to make wiser and wiser, more wholesome decisions in our life, then you don't have that pressure, that struggle anymore. So while life is a struggle and is difficult, nobody ever said life will be easy, but no one ever said life has to be tough either. 
and learning and practicing the Buddhist teachings will ensure that life is not tough. But it's a challenge to to learn and practice and build up your practice. But it sounds like you're making some progress there, Basil. It sounds like you've experienced some good improvements with eliminating fears and experiencing some peacefulness throughout your development of your practice. Yes, a lot of this. Very well. Well, we, yeah, thanks. Hey, uh, Rick has his hand raised. Let's go to him. Hi, everybody. Yeah, I'm Rick Noman from uh, Baltimore, Maryland, in the United States. And um, what led me here is it's just an interesting journey. I, I, I grew up in a secular Jewish home. And by the time I was put in Sunday school, I was read these stories from the, their sacred literature and told that all of this was true. And then I knew, found people from other religions in the Western world that told me that we were wrong and they were right. And, you know, and it just, I didn't like the conflict. And I studied a lot of Eastern stuff or dabbled in it. Um, there was a famous mythologist that I discovered who made it more comforting to see the truth in all religions. But um, I suffered from various addictions, which uh, included alcohol, process addictions, including sexual addictions, um, food, things like that. And um, so I've been involved with recovery in, in, in those areas. And somewhere around 2013 or 14, I landed on Buddhism. And the thing I liked about that was that if I wanted to believe in a higher power, that was fine, but it wasn't necessary. I wasn't told I had to believe one or the other. And what was more important was the practice. And I found that the Buddha was one of the best addiction counselors I've ever heard <laughs> when it comes to a craving, attachment, and um, some of the things I learned in the 12 steps, there was, they really jive. Like, for instance, the serenity prayer. I found a lot of that in this concept of equanimity, you know, and the idea of karma, that there are certain things I, I accepting that this is the reality, but there are certain things I can do within that reality that are skillful. And, um, you know, there's a, this, I know I've studied, uh, one of the people I studied with was a person who studied uh, heavily within the Thai forest tradition. And I got a lot of really good stuff from that, a really good grounding in some of the Pali Canon literature. Um, I'm not adverse to the metaphysical aspects of the teachings. I'm just not quite as concerned about them. Um, my, I, what I'm concerned about is what I can do in this life to act skillfully and to end unnecessary discontentedness that leads to suffering. Um, and, and yeah, so that's about it. Thanks. Thanks for sharing, Rick. That's actually really helpful to hear some of your background and you know what you're looking for to gain out of this program is that you're really looking to gain how to eliminate discontentedness and train the mind to do so. So thanks for sharing your background and what you're looking to experience out of this program. Welcome. Really pleased to see you joining regularly and being diligent in learning and attending classes. So nice to have you here as part of this group. Thank you. Marianne has his hand raised. Let's go here. Hi, I'm Marianne. I'm, I'm from a far western suburb of Chicago, and I also live uh, with Jim in Lafayette, Indiana. Um, so we have two homes. And um, yeah, I've really been attracted to the Buddhist principles for several years. Um, maybe 20 plus years ago, I went to a temple and I felt the rituals too much for me, so I kind of put it on the shelf and um, didn't understand because I really at that time thought Buddhism was a religion and I wasn't feeling it. 
Um, but I liked the idea behind it. And so I put it on the shelf for a while and then I came across it again, probably, um, oh, 2017, 2018, somewhere around that, through also a recovery program um, of addictions of all kinds, which I have uh, in my background. And so, uh, but, but what, I'm really grateful that I came across this class um, because I wanted to dig a little deeper. Uh, I noticed over the past few years that um, myself getting more irritable uh, regarding the way society is in disagreement, the hatred, et cetera. And so I actually have been feeling um, at times uh, ill will toward others when I didn't used to feel that way, you know, especially specifically with politicians. Um, you know, this kind of feels foreign to me that I've had unwholesome thoughts over the past years regarding this. And um, I don't like that uh, part of what's happening within me. And, you know, one time I seemed to have more inner peace and it seems to have um, been more challenged through what's happening in society now. And, uh, you know, I am seeking a more contented life that will eliminate that the actions of others, uh, behaviors uh, from affecting me internally, uh, you know, why, and I, I question, I have probably a lot of questions, you know, why, what are the causes and conditions that allowed this into my life? You know, why am I allowing, what are the causes and conditions, um, you know, allowing outside sources to affect my inner well-being? You know, and I know that they aren't creating this uh, through this practice. I've learned that that I'm creating my own discontentedness. Uh, so I'm I'm trying to investigate that a little bit and get curious about that. I want to liberate my mind and live and let live without letting me get caught up in the actions of others and the hardships of the world. Uh, and just try to gain a better understanding of the concept like no self and uh, feeling joy even when things around me are messy. Um, and then I have another question that in the book it said, um, enlightenment is a per permanent mental state you can attain through liberating the mind with wisdom. And I, I get confused over any time there's a, a sentence saying it's permanent, because if everything is impermanent, how can enlightenment be permanent? And so, you know, these are just things that I question and uh, would like to understand more about. Um, just to have inner peace and well-being and calm, um, and and I think that is what has drawn me for this this moment in time to the Buddhist principles and, and ideas. So, and thank you so much for being here to help us and teach us. Appreciate you. Yes, you're welcome. Thank you for sharing, Miriam. And I'll answer your question for you here. And if you need further follow-up, just go ahead and speak up. As I'm talking, maybe I answer your question only 50% or 80% and you have a follow-up. So feel free to ask that. So the reason why enlightenment is permanent is because what the Buddha taught is all conditioned objects are impermanent. So a conditioned object is something that arises something that changes and something that fades away or something that ceases to exist. For example, this remote control, at one time it didn't exist. So it arose, it changes because it gets scratches on the screen, 
the color changes, the buttons kind of wear out. And then eventually this remote control will fade away. It will cease to exist because it's a conditioned object. Condition meaning it arose, it changes, and it'll fade away. Then there's what we call unconditioned objects, which there's not many in the world. And enlightenment is one of those things that is unconditioned. The reason why the human being experiences unenlightened mind is because there's conditions in the mind that are creating the unenlightened mind. So those conditions are things like craving, desire, attachment, that craving, that mental longing, that wanting things to be a certain way, that expecting things to be a certain way, that strong eagerness, that yearning, that condition that exists in the mind where the mind is basing its inner feelings on some impermanent condition, that condition allows feelings to arise, change, and then fade away because the non-enlightened mind is basing its feelings on these impermanent conditions, it experiences this up and down, up and down, up and down. But what an enlightened mind has done is has purified the mind from all of those conditions. The craving, desire, attachment, it's purified it from anger, hatred, ill will, it's purified it from ignorance, delusion, unknowing of true reality, all those 10 fetters we talked about, an enlightened mind has purified all those aspects of the mind and removed those conditions. So now an enlightened mind is unconditioned. So that peacefulness that the enlightened mind experiences, it doesn't arise, it doesn't change, and it doesn't fade away. Because there are no conditions that are creating the peacefulness, the peacefulness actually got created by removing the conditions of basing its feelings on some impermanent condition. So the calmness, the serenity, the contentedness, the joy in the enlightened mind, the reason why the enlightened mind is experiencing this is because it's unconditioned. It's been purified. So an enlightened mind, an enlightened being will wake up, peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy all day long, They'll be peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy. They'll go to sleep, peaceful, calm, serene, and content with joy. It never fades away because all that pollution of mind, those conditions that are causing the discontentedness has been eliminated. So therefore, enlightenment is actually permanent once you attain that mental state. And it takes work to train the mind to remove all these conditions that are causing the discontentedness. And that's what this path is all about. Does that help you? Okay, good. Sounds like you got your answer. Hey, uh, we have a new volunteer, Mark. Let's go to him. Yeah, hi there. Um, I've been listening on the podcast, but um, I thought it was time to join live. Um, being in Thailand, as you know, David, it's uh, close to 10 o'clock and you know, it's close to my bedtime, but I thought I'd join today. Uh, I'm from the UK. Um, I work in education, I've traveled and lived around the world for the past 17 years. Um, I've lived in six very different countries um, and currently I'm living in Thailand, so I have for the last three years. Um, my biological father, um, he wasn't a very nice guy and he, um, he was very anti-religion. I remember being in primary school and being taken out of any, anything to do with religion. I was taken out and so I felt like my choice was, you know, was taken away from me. 
funnily enough, and um, you know, being a teacher, the, one of the best units I ever taught is actually on religion, uh, and when we've actually looked at different religions, I, I just think it's a very important thing to be doing. But you know, I, I never really knew what to believe, who to believe, you know, which God is the right God. I believe what is it, three thousand gods or something in the, in the world, if you listen to everybody. Um, you know, which one's the right one, and um, you know, through, through my travels, you know, I lived in an Islamic culture, I lived in a Catholic culture in Brazil, the Buddhism religion in Vietnam and, and, and Thailand, it just always resonated with me. Um, and it was always something which, you know, I like the idea that, I know there's a discussion, is it a religion, is it not, is it philosophy? I really like the idea that, you know, that you don't have to believe in this, this, this greater being, this, you know, um, you know, I, I've also been through a 12-step program, um, and you know, so I've dabbled in, in meditation as well there. Um, but it's a bit similar to what Marion was saying about, I'm, I'm finding myself being a bit more irritable recently, um, which I'm not normally like that. And so coming across these teachings and listening to every week and doing this, the studying, it's really helping me a lot. Um, I mean, I'm a, a very much a beginner. You know, I, I'm not somebody who's, who's not too much into any religion, to be honest. Uh, and I've read a few books recently on Buddhism. Um, and, and for me, you know, my wife and, and her, her whole family are, are Christian. Um, and I really tried to get on board with them. I really tried to, you know, follow that path. But I just couldn't, I couldn't, it didn't feel right praying my problems away, if that makes sense. And, and one, of the, one of the things I've learned from your message so far, David, um, is, is that, you know, that I have to look inside myself. I can't be asking, I can't be saying, oh, I've got a problem at work or I'm really stressed about this. Like, if I pray to God, that will go away. I can't live, that, that doesn't work for me. And so putting these, these lessons I've had so far into practice really is making me become a calmer person. And like I say, I'm, I'm very much a, a, you know, a beginner here. Um, but I really like the idea of you know, digging deeper, like Marion said. And you know, I'm very committed now to, to following your path. And, I really appreciate the way you deliver, you know, being a teacher myself, I really appreciate your lessons and the way you deliver your messages. So um, thank you for having me, and um, I hope to learn a lot while I'm here with you. Wonderful. Thanks, Mark. Pleased to meet you. What part of Thailand do you live in? Uh, just outside Pattaya. Outside Pattaya. Okay. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, nice to meet you, and pleased to know that you made it from the podcast into the, the live classes. and. Nice that Miriam and Jim are joining us and all of you guys. It's uh, wonderful to see you guys, uh, your face and your smile and hear you guys talking in your voice. So all of you guys that are volunteering to, to share a little bit of your story, this is wonderful to get a chance to get to know you guys. You know, this is part of what being on the path to enlightenment is all about, is being part of a community of practitioners and getting to know each other and being able to be there for each other as friends and being able to support and encourage and motivate each other. Not that you have to be there every single moment of everyone's journey, because of course it's an independent journey for each individual, but being uh, around other people that have similar interests as you and living a wholesome life. And that's really important for as part of this path. The Buddha talked about cultivating wholesome friendships. So this is a great opportunity for all of you guys to start get to know each other and start cultivating some wholesome relationships. And then also like Miriam was doing is asking some questions, just some residual questions that she has. This is a very important part of this path to enlightenment. Without a student being able to ask questions to a teacher, 
they wouldn't have any ability to attain enlightenment because just reading a book or just listening to a podcast or just looking at a YouTube video, it would be impossible for someone to attain enlightenment. So having this interaction with a teacher, having access to the teachings, being part of a community of practitioners that you can engage with and be part of a supporting environment that is supporting and encouraging you along the way. This is exactly how the Buddha taught that one should progress towards enlightenment. So this is outstanding. Thank you for for sharing, Mark, and thank you as well, Miriam. And I'm sure we've got some more people that are interested in sharing as well. So I'll see what Basam's got for us. Well, the next participation is from Singapore. So let's go to Danny. Perfect. Hi, thanks, Basam. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm from the little island of Singapore. Um, I'm not sure if everybody knows it's in Asia and the southernmost tip of uh, a country named uh, Malaysia. Um, for me, I think I was having a, should I say a personal uh, discovery and crisis uh, maybe 10 plus years ago when I realized I don't really have a passion in life. Some people can say, oh, they have a passion that um, even if they are not paid to do something, they'll be very willing to wake up and do something. I realized I don't have that. I'm not particularly passionate about anything or really like or very driven maybe by, uh, by, by other people, by money. And that also led me to think um, to the question of what's the whole purpose of this life. And the environment that I was being brought up with was um, there are a few major religions, Christianity, uh, devil that a little bit. Um, I had friends who were from uh, Islam and uh, my family was uh, more of a Taoist. Uh, but all these religions which I have uh, encountered before, all of them, um, whether it was the way it was being practiced or perhaps the things that they uh, wanted um, their believers to believe in, somehow, so something that uh, in my gut feel that tell me that, hey, you know, that I, I don't think that that's how it's supposed to be. Somehow, somewhat, um, something was telling me was it was not really that, that way. And um, I think it was by chance that I um, uh, came across uh, David's uh, podcast uh, because previously I also uh, went to some um, monk meditation, um, listened to some talks, but the way they explained it was very, very mystical, very um, indirect, and, and it was not as plain, as simple as what David described. And after listening to his podcast, it just keep on, um, I just keep on going and going and going. And actually, before I came to his lessons, I pretty much finished all his podcasts one round already. Uh, and then made me decide, you know, everything makes sense. I think I want to know more and that's why I'm here uh, in this class. And initially, I was pretty resistant to meditation. Uh, I, I'm a person who procrastinates a lot, uh, but after talking to David, I said, okay, maybe let's start with once, once a day. Uh, and the effect that it had on me, uh, I have to say, um, it was really as what uh, David uh, described, it's, um, whatever talk was by uh, Kodama Buddha is not really what you need to believe that we have to put it into practice and see the effect and the result. And I think it is proven, at least for me. Yeah, wonderful, Donnie. Thanks for sharing that. that that's kind of hitting on something Basam was talking about, too, about how it, the Buddhist path isn't about believing a bunch of things and then 
maybe getting something beneficial once we die. But what you're talking about, what Bossom's talking about, I'm sure some others have experienced as well, is that by learning and practicing, you can see the results right now. That that's what you can experience is that by learning and reflecting and practicing the teachings, you see that the condition of the mind and the condition of your life is gradually improving. And that's one of the ways that we know that, okay, we're on the right path. We're learning the truth because we're seeing the results of this path. And that's a really nice indication throughout this life that you're headed in the right direction. Mm. And and what uh, Mark and uh, uh, Mariam and even Rick shared earlier where uh, they were saying that um, somehow uh, the feeling of being more irritable, the feeling of being willing to other people, all this, all this, I seem, I also experienced it and I was thinking, I, I'm not that kind of person. I, I, I'm not a, a violent person. I'm not a confrontational person. But yet, all these uh, feelings and thoughts and you will have, have gone up and I don't think uh, that is the way to go. That's why I, I told myself, um, I have to do something about it. Yeah, that's all I have to share. Wonderful. Thank you, Dania. One of the things that I share sometimes with students is the people who tend to do the best, I think, on the path to enlightenment is kind of what you're alluding to a bit there, Donnie, that I think a practitioner has to get to the point where they despise discontentedness so much that they're just motivated to actually experience peacefulness. So it's like Miriam talked about this. She was like, you know, I don't like the fact that I experience ill will. I don't like being irritable. I don't like being frustrated at the news when I watch the news and I see things going on. And, you know, this is kind of what I just describe as despising discontentedness. It's just we don't hate discontentedness. The, The path to enlightenment is to eliminate hate. But if you can despise it, if you can just be utterly uninterested and ever experiencing discontentedness, this can be the motivation that encourages a practitioner to learn, reflect, and practice. And this is why in this human birth, it's the most ideal birth in order to actually be motivated and encouraged to attain enlightenment because we experience pleasant feelings, painful feelings, and neither painful nor pleasant feelings. So therefore, we have that kind of built-in motivation to escape from this and that's one of the things that you guys can keep in mind as you progress on this path is just get to the point where you just don't tolerate any kind of discontentedness in the mind and you pretty much despise it to the point where it just motivates you to open the book to come to class to meditate to dedicate some time to reflecting on the teachings and be real diligent in practicing things like right intention, right speech, right action. This can be really, really motivational for us when we despise discontentedness. Hey, uh, Nick has his hand raised. Let's go to him. Sure. Oh, teacher David. Hello, everyone. Well, don't really know where to begin, so I guess I'll start with saying the last thing that you said, teacher David, uh, is exactly the motivation that, that I encountered. Um, I grew up in a toxic household. Uh, the people in it were just screaming their heads off every day. I can't remember remember a single moment of peace. Not even in a car ride. Parents always just fight. Um, I grew up tough. So I just thought that's the way life was. But I excelled at being tough. 
You know, I was a good fighter. I went to the Army, excelled at that, became a commander. But uh, I, was, I was a peaceful guy. I was a tough one I had to be, though. You know, I never went out looking for trouble. But if I found it, I was the guy standing, if you know what I'm saying. Um, I've been to three wars. I'm from New York. Uh, came home. And, um, you know, uh, I, I got married to, to the wrong girl. I guess I was just trying to settle and find someone. Um, and uh, the way I grew up, I guess I, I never really knew what love was. So um, the household I had with her wasn't pleasant. But I just thought life was supposed to suck. It took, I think, an act of God to end that, because I would have never left. I got involved in politics, and that backfired. So I'm not going to say I didn't do anything, because the law of commas, everything is cause and effect. So if I didn't decide to run for office, Bad things that made me hit rock bottom, but it never happened. Um, there is like a when I when I experienced even at the local level, there is a mafia that controls politics. There really is. They can frame you and put you in jail. Um, they even own the police. I grew up in a law enforcement household. So I was taught that, you know, the boys in blue can never do anything any wrong. You know, they're always the good guys. And then I got done dirty by them. So that's one of the things that, uh, you know, started causing epiphanies in my life. You know, everything that I was taught to believe, you know, as I became like 40 years old or late 30s, whatever. Everything that I was taught to believe when I was younger turned out to be what I what 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 I discovered later in life, just not to be true or as true. I started questioning everything. everything. I never took uh, anybody's word anymore or any any book's word anymore or anything like that really started questioning everything and i found a lot of the things were the exact opposite of the truth that you learn even in school you know things like that i just had a lot of epiphanies and uh i had to hit rock bottom i had to have things taken away from me my life had to really really uh be discontent to to discover the path. So, you know, one day, I don't know, a couple of years ago, a few years ago, I, I just had enough. Um, I started seeing some 
some memes or memes from, from the Buddha on the social media. I never was using social media up until a couple of years ago because uh, I was in the army, you know, supposed to be secretive, you know. I've been to serious schools and things like that where, you know, I didn't really have my business out in the open because enemies could have used it against us. So. Um, so even though when I got out of the military, I did get over that fear, you know, of trying to be so secretive or paranoid, you know. Uh, my girlfriend helped me with that, you know, be more open with myself. So, uh, what I was saying was, um, you know, one one day a couple years ago, you know, I just had enough. So, so I I saw saw some some memes from the Buddha and things like that, and 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 then I saw the Four Noble Truths. And when I read the Four Noble Truths, I said to myself, that is the truest thing I have ever read or seen in my life. You know? So I looked in the mirror one day. I said, the suffering ends today. And I like put like a message on the mirror. And it began to. For two weeks, you know, um, I, I battled, uh, I guess you can say, demons and after that I came out on top and all bad habits well not all the major ones just went away just fell off like that no 12-step program none of that and I thought that was amazing and then I wanted to discover more of the path besides just like memes or maps, however you say it. So, you know, I started um, watching like spirituality things, uh, things like Joe Dispenza, you know, I was watching things like that. Um, people that are kind of like, you know, doing their own way the Buddhist teachings, but I didn't know any better. But I had to investigate these sorts of things to figure that out. You know, the motivational speakers, things like that. A little bit of science to it. But the Buddha does have science in his teachings. Science is catching up to him. Um, so I kind of found my way stumbling on the path to enlightenment, maybe going back and forth, tripping over my own feet. Uh, but then I found this guy on the path and I was like stumbling hey over here kind of this is the path this is the way you know and, and that man was you teacher David you're the guy on the path the actual path waving the flag hey it's over here so I started um you know reading your things just on the Facebook I joined the Facebook group first and uh, some of the, like, the things that I was reading, some of your responses to people, some of the posts that you made, just blew my mind. I was gaining wisdom just by watching that. I was watching that for, I don't know, maybe six months before I started going active into the classes. Um, 
And uh, when I started getting the classes, I was getting even more and more benefits. I discovered everything that you were saying and everything that uh, the Buddha had taught over 2,500 years ago were true. I haven't been able to disprove anything. And like I said, I was trying to, because there was, uh, I was questioning everything. But uh, getting active on the path of enlightenment pulled me up from being a rock bottom. And life is getting easy. You know, it's uh, things are going so well that uh, it's unbelievable. Um, I've become so dedicated that I'm in Thailand now for six weeks. I'm with Teacher David right now. I know where these teachings lead. And uh, it's a beautiful thing. Um, if we're talking about um, some struggles, I know you wanted to hear that. That's just my story. Um, some like struggles I had, and maybe as a beginner, I would say the five hindrances, which everybody has. Uh, later with advancement, you know, um, I moved in with my girlfriend, so I guess you could say I had stepchildren. Mm -hmm. So I needed to know how to, how to live with them, especially during Corona, constant contact. You know, because they're going through struggles too. Corona is not easy on kids. So I asked Teacher David, and that problem went away. That wasn't even a problem. Just one, one personal guidance session on Zoom was all it took. And a little bit further, um, as I progressed further, uh, other problems I'm encountering because, um, you know, just following the teachings, you know, guides me through the day pretty, pretty readily and easily now. Um, but uh, something that I found difficult just recently before I came out here was um, how to deal with people that aren't on the path, you know, like um, someone with full of craving. For example, my ex-wife, my son's mother. You know, she's she's got a lot of craving. So does so does everybody. But um, with with me um, understanding the teachings and things like that, you know, I guess it was like it's kind of hard. Like, you know, if I'm trying to use the five factors of well-spoken speech. You know, I don't understand why the other person isn't. So that's like a struggle. But then, you know, I had to get some guidance from Teacher David, and he just explained that to me. And then how to kind of, if I know where the landlines are, how to walk around them, and then still get to the goal. So you kind of got to know how to speak to people that aren't like that. You know, even if you're trying to do everything right, um, the other person that doesn't know these teachings, you know, other people are going to be lacking 
wisdom, moral conduct, and mental discipline. So that's a struggle trying to deal with them. You know, if, if, if you yourself aren't perfect yet, you know, you have to understand that other people are, are maybe further behind than you. So that's something you need to have to learn how to do. So that's a, that's a recent struggle that I had, but a couple coaching sessions with teacher David, I did exactly as he um, described how to, how to navigate and worked beautifully. It's, it's still, it, it cultivated such wholesome comma, the way I handled that situation, this discussion that I had to have with him, that there hasn't been a problem since. You know, it's all smiles. Well, um, that's my story. That's where I'm from. Those were my recent struggles. Was there anything else, Teacher David, that, that you were looking for people to share? I didn't. I don't have any expectations of what people should or shouldn't share. I was just kind of putting out some questions and allowing people to choose what they'd like to talk about. One of the things that you mentioned that I think connects to what we were talking about just a moment ago is, you know, I was talking about one of the things that helps someone be really successful in this path is despising discontentedness so much that that can be a real motivator. Another thing that can be a real motivator is something that you were just talking about, which is having an inquisitive mind, you know, not believing the teachings and trying to disprove the teachings, that inquisitive mind of of not accepting what you see in these books or not accepting the things that I share in these classes, that inquisitive nature, that mind that is really interested to know the truth and is willing to track that down at all costs that's a really good quality to have on this path. Uh, someone who just believes and someone who just accepts whatever is said, they're not going to gain the wisdom as someone who has a real inquisitive mind. So if despising discontentedness is what kind of motivates someone to actually start practicing the path, once somebody's on the path, if they have that inquisitive mind, that investigation, that interest to examine the teaching, in the energy to do so, applying the effort to do so, and staying determined and dedicated and diligent, that will really help somebody to make progress on this path. So thanks for bringing that up, Nick. Yes, sir. That's, that's what I encountered. Wonderful. Thanks for sharing your story. Yes, sir. We have a participation from Vietnam, so let's go to Thin. Hello, everybody. Hello, hello. hello. <laughs> Hello, teacher. I call you teacher, or should I call you master? You can call me anything yeah. you like. Yeah, I just I just baptized Facebook through some online events that I'm wanting to join, and I come um, I passed your Facebook page and this event is online, so I was like, yeah, this is perfect for me, and I'm looking forward to learning from uh, from you, and also want to join the community for practicing and learn the teaching of Buddha. Um, currently, I'm, I'm teaching English, and uh, my students uh, have some topic about the teaching of Buddha that I always need to, 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 to even wonder for myself. I have still have no answer yet. So um, I always think about. Uh, I, I had so many struggling in life, especially when I'm like a single mom. Um, 
and I got so so many events that uh, make me support it. I'm having um, sometimes I, I even committed suicide, but uh, luckily I I took I took a walk, a long walk, just wondering what I'm gonna do uh, before I die, stuff like it. Um, at some point, um, when I uh, when I start walking, then one person just come in and talk with me in the conversation and talking about normal life, how it worked, how the family stuff um, with him and then I see the I see it, it was like a lighthouse in, in Australia when I was when I wanted to, to, to kill myself. I just I walk up there and was thinking, I don't know what to do actually like I have no more no more purpose. I have no happiness. I, I always fail. Some some it's just like the the mental illness comes to me when I when I took that walk and then when I reached to the top of the lighthouse uh, with a guy that joined me on the way. He he showed me the lighthouse and I, I looked down on the, the cliff. There was so big waves of like the the ocean waves was so strong and it was like slash into the, the cliff, the rock cliff. And I felt like the energy of the earth, I felt so powerful things that actually awake my mind and thinking like, why do I have to worry so much about my own life and stuff like that when the life itself is a miracle and it's amazing. It's had so many things to explore. So why should I just stop myself there? I should just keep walking, keep seeing the world, keep learning, discover until I die. So I thought maybe I shouldn't kill myself and keep walking and keep moving up until I found myself uh, drawing to this, the, the Buddha teaching. I've been reading the book and uh, of course uh, in Vietnam we are a Buddhism country so uh, we understand a lot about it and we have practiced some of them. So I also uh, practiced um, some meditation uh, walking meditation, eating meditation, sleep, uh, laying meditation um, in a uh, meditation center of, in Thailand. It was, uh, I think it was Phuket, right? <laughs> so um, it was very impactful and uh, it changed it changed my my way and my point of view about life. After finish the course, um, actually I can in the second day of the, of the course, I can I can see myself crying, a lot of emotion just released. And stuff like it make me feel like, of course, this emotion I keep inside myself make me sick. And I should release it, I should actually try to see the emotion and try to release it out. And I cry a lot, I actually feel like running out of the meditation center and running to the top of the mountain. I feel like so scared. I don't know why. I don't understand what that, what that feeling like. I feel like someone trying to kill me and stuff. Because uh, the, the scared emotions just come to me. And at that point, I reach to my survival extinction. I just run. I just run away from the meditation center. It was crazy. And <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what happened to me. And then um, I run to the top of the mountain, which is nearby the meditation center. And I watch over the, it was a house where it's like an empty house. I saw some of the monks' picture on top of the house, and then I saw uh, like like a random tools for farming. I thought maybe some of some of the, some of the monks come come up here to try to to live their life in peacefully. So I was thinking, 
why do they do it? I feel like, and, and that survival state of mind, I wonder everything, I'm just questioning myself, everything. So after that, after that state of mind, I feel, I feel that's so weird. Uh, I actually finished just um, the second day of the of the meditation course, and then I just I just run away, and um, it's just like the death is so near. I can feel it. I can feel it. It's so near. Um, after that, I walked. Uh, I walked outside. I decided to go back home, and I, t- I took a taxi. And the taxi driver just stopped me by at the a beach. Like the I can see the beach. Way and I told him to stop, and I saw um, the ocean again. Like the ocean helped me, and the sun again. Um, it was the light. It it was like the the line between the the ocean and the sun. It was amazing view. Make me feel so calm, so clear. Like I can feel like oh my god again. The picture of this light is so clear in front of me. I'm here on the earth, and the ocean in front of me. And the the sun is shining. It's so peaceful. I don't have to worry much about things. Um, and I learned a lot about after that. Um, after that time, um, like everyone is born and is to determined to be pass away one day. So it's we can't we can't deny it. Stuff like it. So even I want to kill myself, it's not worth it. And we always have to go to the end of the our time and this also like the the gravity um, that I learned in school and is uh, is also when I meditate I can feel like so my body my my pressure is heavy um, so as gravity so as soon as I still have feeling the gravity I still alive um, I don't know like there's so many stop coming up after that kind of meditation experience and it's, still in my head. Um, sorry, but <laughs> all the thoughts just coming in between and I can't never get the taste state in my only when I touch to the to the nature, when I see nature, when I see the sun, when I follow it, or the see the ocean. So those are the only way. So when I'm here at home I'm by myself and my family, my parents and my baby, I couldn't find that that peace anymore because I'm not next to the beach and not seeing um, the same way those last experience. So um, I experience every day an argument between my parents, baby crying, um, hunger, like bad news on TVs, all that around me make me feel again sick. And now I wonder what should I do? Um, I even got a a scam to and lost all of the money through a an online an online scammer uh, who told me to invest and then I lost all the money and couldn't get it back. So like events after events, I don't know why and I don't know how to get escape from it. And today um I have to find a new job, I have to 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 teach English online and uh, try to survive. I mean this is another uh, the stage of my life when I come to I need to to know really what I should do next. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm very pleased to see that you decided not to commit suicide. That's wonderful that you're still alive and you're still here and you're able to learn and build up your life better and better. Have you gotten access to this book yet? 
Yeah, yeah, I've been reading through it uh, just a quick look, but I haven't digged deeper into each, each, uh, each chapter, but I looked through the content and I looked through it, yeah. Okay, so if you... I got it on online on on topic. Okay, great. So if you start reading that, we're in chapter two now, and you can probably start at yeah. the beginning if you like. Every Sunday we teach a class on the chapter. So next week will be chapter three. And then you can learn slowly but surely. You can learn how to improve your mind so that you won't have those feelings of being interested to harm yourself ever again. Yeah. Okay. Very um, good. Uh, I'm following. Yeah, I'm. I'm trying to this too to study with with you and with other people too. I believe. I believe there's a lot of values in it. Um. Yeah, I believe it. Sometimes I wonder, like, um, it's like 100% we're gonna die, right? So, if if it's already the true answer, then why we're living for? What we're living for? and how we should live in a bad way, stuff like it. I, I hope that I can, I can learn it too from this book. Yeah, that's exactly what the Buddha talks about in terms of how to live a better life, is how to get yeah. this wisdom to improve our life. Yeah. Because all these things that we do, like you're an English teacher or you're a mom, you, you do these different things in the world, these are just things that kind of occupy our time. The real goal that I feel that we should all have is to get out of this whole cycle, get out of this despair, yeah. get out of this misery, get out of this displeasure, get out of this cycle of rebirth so, that we, so we don't have to keep experiencing it over and over again. So that's like exactly. the, that's the real goal of this life is to uh, attain enlightenment. But then we still need to do things like work in order to sustain our life. And we still have yeah. relationships in order to... Uh, interact with other people and things like this, but we should always be working on improving the condition of our mind, which is going to improve the condition of our life, because everything we experience is through the mind. And one of the things that I share early in this book is how the body can take a whole lot of trauma. There's a whole lot of trauma that the body can experience. And with the right food and water and medical care, the body can recover and it can repair itself. And the mind is exactly the same way. So even though at one point in your life, you felt like you were interested in harming yourself and harming this physical body and maybe ending this life. Well, that was maybe a real dark time for your life. But with the right teachings and with the guidance and with the effort and the work on your part, you can repair and heal the mind just like the body can heal itself. The mind can heal itself as well, but you're the one who has to do the work in order to get it there. So now you're on the path to improving the condition of the mind and the condition of your life. So that's wonderful. Yeah, I, I have one more question about if once we attend the enlightenment, will it be forever? Or should we practice all the time until we die? Like I heard someone who say, if before you die, you can you can still pray. At least maybe ten times or eleven times, can't remember the number of um, the Buddha. Uh, it's like a, like a mantra, a mantra before you die. Like if you if you if you can still pray it, you can still awake before you just the moment before you die. Then you will not have any karma and you will have any rebirth. I don't know. Like I, 
and still wonder like after we attain it or on the way we attain it once we got it and we live life with concentration we purify we clear mind and better life right will it be another karma will it be another suffering mm-hmm. or like i say to end suffering the only way i was thinking was that that's why i was thinking about commit suicide um it's this thought comes again and again and again after time and time it's just so annoying committing suicide will actually make the problem a whole lot worse because someone who commits suicide is going to be reborn for sure and they're most likely going to be reborn into the lower realms, which is going to make it very hard for them to get back to the human life. Once somebody attains enlightenment, it's a permanent mental state. You will never experience any kind of suffering whatsoever. And there is no mantra. There is no chant that you can do either during life or at the end of your life that's going to produce enlightenment. It's not chanting and mantras that actually produce enlightenment. It's the acquiring of wisdom And by learning and practicing the teachings, that's how you actually produce enlightenment is not by a mantra or by some other kind of prayer or worship or something like that. That's not how to actually produce enlightenment because what's causing the mind to be in the unenlightened state is this ignorance or this unknowing of true reality. The mind doesn't understand these natural laws of existence. And because it doesn't understand those things, it continues to experience discontentedness. So there's no mantra that you can chant that's going to instantly produce wisdom in the mind and eradicate all these conditions that are causing the unenlightened mind. So you need to learn, you need to reflect, you need to practice. And that's why I was interested to make sure you have access to this book so that you can start learning and start meditating so that you can get rid of these unwelcomed feelings that you're experiencing. Yeah, I got the book uh, on library, yeah, yes. Perfect, how do you pronounce your name, by the way? Ting, T-H-I-N-A, Ting. Ting. Yeah, Ting. Oh, you can call me T, T-double-E, yeah. Okay, I'd like to call you by the name that uh, you go by, but if you would like me to call you T, I'll call you T. Yeah, please call me T. Okay, I will call you T. What part of Vietnam do you live in? Living in the Central Highland area. Um, my province is Yalai, and my town is Yali. It's like Italy, but without the T. Yali. Okay. <laughs> well, it's wonderful. Where are you in Phuket, right? Are you in Thailand now? I'm in Chiang Mai. I'm in northern province of Chiang Mai. Oh, yeah, Chiang Mai. Mm-hmm. I've been there before, and I work in a uh, a hostel named uh, Dijai Backpacker, and they have an elephant sanctuary. Actually, um, it was a beautiful experience there. A beautiful place, Chiang Mai. Yes, it's very nice the, here. I remember the top of the Chiang Mai was like a, a temple, um, and they have also a, a daily pray praying session at 6 p.m. Uh, 6, yeah, 6 p.m. when the sunset is going down. So I got experience going up there once and um, sit there and pray with all the monks and looking at the sun going down was beautiful. Yeah, that's called doisa tep. And what they're, what they're doing is they're chanting. They're not actually praying because um, yeah, the Buddha never taught to do prayer. It doesn't mean you can't do prayer. It's just that that's not what 
they would be doing, they, they would be chanting the teachings in Pali in order to remember oh. and recite the teachings. Mm-hmm. I see. All right. Well, welcome. Right. I'm glad you found us and we'll see you in future classes. And thank you for sharing information about your story. Thank you. You're welcome. Have a good night. See you next week. Sounds good. Well, uh, Ali has his uh, hand raised. Let's go to her. Hello. So, I'm originally came from Cambodia, but now I'm in United States in LA, California, LA, and. How did I get into Buddhism? That's a long story. I started when I, I came from Cambodia, so I am the children of the war. So during the war, we didn't have food. It was not enough food, and we were going to hang hunger. I lost my dad at a very young age. Half of my family, but, um, I lost half of my family member, and I was always going through sadness. And then I was always thinking that, oh, you know, if I have food, I'll be happy. And then our family escaped and we got to the U.S. I am the oldest one of the family, so I'm always very happy to be helping my mom. When my mom's going to work, after work, I would have to, I would cook for the family. I never have a childhood. I was always helping out with the family, cooking, cleaning, and all that. And I would think, Oh, you know, um, it's because I'm always working if I can, oh, actually, then our family had a donut shop, so I was always working at the donut shop as well, helping my family, and I was just thinking, oh, yeah, I was not happy, I was living a very miserable life because it was just all about work, 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 and it's responsibility that I have to pay, then I was just thinking, oh, okay, you know, if I just have a life like a party life, I can have a weekend and have party vacation, traveling, and all this, I'll be happy. So I worked really hard to go to school, and because I was figured like without education, I won't get a job that will pay me well enough. So I was working very hard, working at the donut shop. Um, going back to school and then when I finished school our family sold the donut shop and I joined the corporate world so I'm like oh wow this is gonna be happiness for me now I can go have a regular vacation weekend off dress up nice have nice like because I'm working at the donut shop I didn't really have um have a chance to dress up really nice having it getting attention and all that. So I'm like, you know, this is this is awesome. This is gonna be a change for me. So I was very excited at the beginning, right after our family sold the donut shop. So I I was always dressing up really nice, getting a lot of attention, going on vacation, party, but I find all that was not happiness for me too. I was feeling so sad, so depressed, so lonely. Even I was in a relationship, I was not happy. I don't know what was going on. So then I read about Buddhism saying like, oh, you know, um, we can find permanent happiness. 
And I was like, yeah, right. I was not like really believing in it. But then um, my yoga teacher invited me to listen to one of his Dharma talk um, on Buddhism. And then he told me about, um, I mean, he, he told us about a retreat, Goenka retreat, a 10 day silent retreat. And he was sharing, me, sharing with me about his experience. And I'm like, oh, really? That now I, I was so like, so desperate, like wanting, one, wanting to go to the retreat right away, but I was not able to get in like until 10 day. And then the first few days when it was the 10 day silent and the first, the first two, three days, it was so tough, really hard for me because mentally, physically, I was like, I think I'm wasting my time. This is not done right. There was so much thing coming up and I have a lot of anger with my stepfather, even with my mom. It was, it was just so much coming up. It was so tough. But luckily, I was thinking about leaving, but I didn't leave because um, I was carpool and there was a couple people that went with me, carpooling with me to the center. And then I'm like, well, if I'm coming back home, it's so far, the retreat center to my house is so far. If I come back home, how are they going to be coming back home? So you know what? I'm just going to stick until the end. And then when I got to day four of the meditation, my mind started to like calm down. And it was like, I woke up that night i was not really sleeping that much it was only a couple hours and i woke up and i felt off like everything it was so i was so um i can't describe that word i feel like a temporary enlightenment i don't have any anger i thought on my stepdad all i have for him was compassion i was like with my mom the same thing i was like oh my god how can i be so mean with her with my word and all that you know and it, it was just unbelievable so since then but then when i got out of the retreat the mind was not my mind was not stable yet it was just happening during the retreat time it kept on coming going back and forth back and forth back and forth but i I remember so clearly about the experience that I experienced with the meditation retreat that I keep pushing myself, sticking to the routine. And because I said, you know what? I have experienced it. I will experience it again. And I have like every single time I go to a retreat, it's like, it, it, it's, a, it's a very good experience. It was like, it's like an enlightenment experience. So every time I go, so from then on, I started my my first retreat in 2009. Since then, I was always taking my vacation to go on the retreat. But I have been practicing so like really diligently with um, the meditation, with meditation, like over 10 years, but I was just, really meditating and I didn't really learn the philosophy and now I stumbled through I was actually on a Facebook page because I am I forgot I think her name is Sarani she added that oh there's a Pali class um, a class on David's teaching on 
Pali Canon, and then I'm like, oh yeah, you know, I want to see how it is because I have always spending so much time meditating. I don't really know the theory, so I really want to study the theory. This is how I got into David's um, um, teaching uh, for the, I think I started in July, and it's been really helpful, and this is how I got started and with the Buddhism, and this is, I find it now that this is a true happiness. So that's why when I'm told, when my, like my family, I'm the only one that's a practitioner, and when my family are really into worldly life, like my brother, he's always, every time he calls me, it would be about his project, what he's doing, um, how, or his wife is showing off the diamond, the, party and all that and i told him i said you know that's not real happiness and i got kind of like this interest in hearing what he had about his project and everything i said all that is not happiness and then he one time he got mad at me he said like i'm kind of arrogant that he feel that i'm arrogant about it why like I'm very judgmental, how do I know it's not happiness? It is happiness for him. I said, because I have experienced it, I know. And we got into an argument, I mean, but inside of me, I was like, I mean, in the past I would be so mad at him, but instead of like, about what he was saying, like about putting down me as the practitioner and all that. But instead of that, I had compassion for him. So although we argue, I didn't have a choice of anger with him. I have so much compassion for him. At the end, I told him, I said, you know what? You are my brother. I will always love you. I always care for you. This is what I'm sharing from my experience. I'm not looking down on you, um, anything. It's just my experience. But you know, you have to experience it yourself. And then the next day he came and we had a talk and he apologized to me for what he said and all of that. So it has been like the practice really have changed my life so much. So I'm very grateful and I'm so thankful. And my only wish is that any lifetime going forward that I will come in contact with the the teaching until I get enlightened. Yeah. So that's all I have to share. Thank you. Very good, Ali. Thank you for sharing. Wonderful to see you have been joining consistently for a few months now. So your practices yeah. must be really building up. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Very good. Thank you. Well, uh, seeing many people from different uh, countries, different cultures are sharing their experiences, uh, uh, this brings to the mind that uh, these teachings are really helpful for anyone from any place. And actually, uh, it, it could be one more reason for a practitioner to study and learn and practice the teachings is that if we will look to the teachings as a kind of a program for one to improve their life, it's a kind of a program that was tested for about 2,500 years. And it, it seems that it really works for everyone. 
Yeah, one of the ways that I think about Gautama Buddha's teachings, Basam, and is I think of it as the best self-help program that was ever invented because it's had 2,500 years to be vetted to determine is it really working or not. Because something that doesn't work isn't going to be around for 2,500 years. It just wouldn't still exist. So there's people that are benefiting from his teachings every day. And the more you learn about them, the more you practice them, the more you can see that benefit. And it's you doing the work to improve rather than somebody telling you what to do or ordering you what to do or guilting, shaming, or fearing you to do something. You're making all the free will, personal choices yourself, and therefore you see the progress as well. Yeah. So, uh, Chrissy has her hand raised. That's a good one. Sure. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you, Chrissy. Okay, good. Um, so, this is a little bit nerve-wracking for me to share, um, but I want to practice right action and um, share because it has been very helpful and very beneficial for me and my children, um, my story. However, I don't really know how to explain my story other than, um, like everyone, I experienced a lot of discontentment. I wanted to find a way to have um, peace regardless of external circumstances. Um, the way that Nick described his upbringing was what I was doing with my children and how my family was, and I hated it. I hated that um, everyone was just very discontent and I didn't know how to be a good mom. I'm a single mom with three kids, and my oldest son, before I started practicing, was very discontent and tried to take his life. Um, and I think that was my rock bottom. Um, I had most of my life not wanted to live or like life, but when I learned, when I started dabbling into these teachings, it was completely foreign to everything that I had been taught. I had been raised Catholic um, and Christian, and um, I was I was a sinner. <laughs> I've had a baby before I was married, I was divorced, I had two more babies, like I just lived in, in what was sin, but trying my hardest by praying, unknowing of how to make the changes. So um, when I think I'm going to try to say her name, Steve, mm-hmm. when she was speaking, um, I was tugging at my heartstrings because I was there and now I'm not. Um, I'm still, you know, really new to this. However, I should be further, but I don't have as much time to practice. Um, and I do my best. But what has really helped me is learning to love myself, learning to take the time to myself to even just breathe, um, and having someone to go to because I'm alone. Um, I was alone. And now with having the one-on-one meetings with our teacher, um, having guidance where 
there is no expectation from me. Um, I clean houses, I clean bars, I clean um, doctor's offices. So many, many people have lots of expectations from me, but I know that I can come to Teacher David and not have expectations. In our group of, our community group, sometimes I'll apologize for doing something, but nobody, forgetting that nobody has expectations from me. Um, but also my 10 year old boy, um, we here where I live in Michigan, um, often if you're discontent, you get like a diagnosis of, say you have ADHD, you're depressed, you're anxious, take all these medications and there's something wrong with you. And that's the way that I was raised. Um, thinking that there was something wrong with me. So hearing a teacher, like the wisest man I have ever met, say, there's nothing wrong with you. You just need to turn your brain. Um, <laughs> was very comforting. And being able to see that I was doing that to my own kids um, caused discontent. But um, I am able to make it right and with meditating, the mind is a bit calmer, still scattered, but practicing single-mindedness more frequently. Not perfectly, but more frequently. Um, I just feel like there's more direction for this stuff, but also my children. And um, when we have our little weekly check-in, more times than not now, my kids say that they're peaceful. And ultimately that was, that is my goal. That is, is to, to be peaceful against myself, but more importantly, to not have that toxic family and upbringing that I'm doing to my children or the people around me. Um, so thank you. <laughs> You're welcome, Grissy. Thank you for sharing. And uh, you shared some really interesting things there. I'm getting a little feedback on my mic. I'm not sure if that's from from your end, Chrissy. I'm going to just mute you for a second. Um, let's see. There we go. All right. So, yeah, you know, Chrissy is sharing some really interesting things here that I'm sure that other people are challenged with as well is that when you first start learning and practicing, you know, maybe your life is really busy, you know, a single mom with three children and working, you know, that is really challenging to be able to now add this other full-time job. You know, you've already got a full-time job to be a full-time mom with three children. That's like three full-time jobs right there. Plus you're, you're working, cleaning, that's a full-time job. And now this full-time job of learning and practicing these teachings, you've got like five full-time jobs there. Well, many people kind of have these experiences where our life is really jam-packed with a lot of things. And now it's like, okay, now you start kind of seeing this glimmer of hope of these teachings that can actually offer you some support and show you the way to eliminate and eradicate all this suffering. But our lives are sometimes so cluttered with other stuff that we can't even make space for these teachings and what Chrissy does and what I would suggest anyone else does who is in the same situation is that you make whatever time that you can find 
And if that's 10 minutes today and 30 minutes tomorrow and an hour on the weekend and, you know, 30 minutes here and 50 minutes there and whatever time you find, you just use whatever time that you've got. You know, don't think that you need to have six hours a day or, you know, five hours a day or something like this because you've got to start wherever you can start. And if that's meditating once a day for five minutes, then okay, that's where someone's starting. Or if that's reading the book for 10 minutes every other day, then okay, that's where you're starting. But slowly but surely, just like the cover on this book, slowly but surely, this lady's pulling back this blanket, this veil of darkness, just slowly but surely. And that's what it takes. It just takes, you know, dedication, determination, commitment, diligence to slowly but surely, five minutes here, 30 minutes there, an hour here, 15 minutes there, just slowly implement these teachings into your life. And gradually, things will get better and better in our life. And then as things become better and better, and we're not struggling with so much discontentedness, and we're not struggling with so much difficulties and making difficult decisions. And when the people around us are not struggling as much through like Chrissy sharing these teachings with her children, then what you'll find is that there's actually more space in your life to spend more than five minutes. Now, now you can spend 30 minutes rather than before where you spend five. So what I would suggest anybody who's experiencing this is just start wherever you can start. And no matter what amount of time that is, that's where you start. And these classes tend to be two hours uh, or less sometimes, or a little bit more sometimes, and they're Sunday and Wednesday. Some people might only be able to come on Sunday and that's it. That's fine. That's where you're starting. Some people may only be able to come on Wednesday or some people may not be able to come at all to the live classes. They might only be able to listen on the replay of YouTube, Facebook, or the podcast, and that's completely fine. So you step forward in whatever capacity you're able to and then you just gradually build up your practice slowly but surely and this is what will produce results for you rather than putting expectations on ourselves that we should have some enormous amount of time that we're going to just jump in head first into the deep end of building this life practice and developing this life practice instead of thinking that way that it's kind of all or nothing think of it like a sculpture that you've got this big hunk of wood and you're just needing to chuck off some pieces of wood and shave off some pieces of wood slowly but surely. And over time, you make this sculpture more and more beautiful using different tools at different times. But it takes a long time to create a wooden sculpture, just like it's gonna take a long time to train this mind and eradicate this conditioning that has the mind in this unenlightened state. It takes a really long time to purify the mind. And as we progress and we see those benefits, then that can be motivation to help us be interested to devote more and more time and even find more and more time to devote to it as we clear out our life more and more and kind of clean things up. So that's a really important thing that Chrissy was sharing there. So thank you for sharing that, Chrissy. Others who would like to share their story or have any questions or any thoughts that you would like to share? Yes, a question from Rick. It says, question regarding setting up an appointment with you, David. 
Do the times offered reflect my time zone or yours? For instance, I see there's a time slots offered on Calendly for tomorrow at 9 a.m. and 11 p.m. Are those reflective of your time zone or mine, which is Eastern Standard Time? So actually, uh, I have an an I've already seen the answer that the Calendly reflects my time zone, which I didn't know at the time. Yeah, no worries, Rick. Let me just share an answer so that other people can understand this as well. This uh, app that I use, this website, it's called Calendly.com, and then it's forward slash David Roylands. Maybe Bossom or somebody can share that into the comment section of Facebook, YouTube, and Zoom. You can schedule a personal discussion, uh, multiple, as many as you like. Uh, like Chrissy was mentioning during her time talking, she schedules pretty much every week. And there's other people that have done that as well. You don't have to schedule every week, uh, but it's there for you if you'd like to. Uh, you can schedule at whatever frequency or infrequency that you like. This is an opportunity for you and I to meet one-on-one in Zoom for you to seek personal guidance on anything that's happening, whether it's learning these teachings and getting some clarification on specific questions, whether it's things that you've heard me discuss in class and you're interested in understanding how to apply the teachings that I've discussed in class to your daily life. There's time in classes that you can ask those questions, but there's probably some questions here and there that you'd rather prefer to talk privately. And that's what those personal discussions are there for. And also an opportunity for you to get to know me a little bit, me to get to know you, because the more I understand about your life, the more I can provide you specific targeted guidance to help you in your life. And of course, it's your free will decisions that make decisions in your life. But having the, your teacher to know a little bit about your life can really help to provide the ability for me to customize the guidance that I share from the Buddhist teachings for your life. And this application or this website, Calendly.com, the way that it's set up is I set up times that are available based on my time zone here. But then wherever you pull it up, whatever country, whatever time zone you're in, it should adjust automatically to your local time zone. So the times that I have in there are times that work for me. And then when you see the time zones and the time slots that work for you, you schedule those and then it sends me a message and puts it on my calendar so I know that to meet you in Zoom at the designated day and time. And those sessions are offered at no cost. There's never a time that any of what I share with you is going to incur a fee. It's all offered openly and freely to anyone who's interested in learning and understanding these teachings and progressing on this path. So personal guidance is something that can oftentimes be very helpful for people who need that for whatever reason, for whatever time frame. And oftentimes people, when they're first starting, they will kind of put those closer together and then kind of start to spread them out a little bit as they ramp up their practice more and more. But feel free to schedule those however you like, whenever you like, as you are progressing on this path, more than willing to help all of you. We have a question on YouTube from Alexis. I like how you are speaking of tolerance, but it's hard to deal with ignorance. My ego can get in the way and that creates problems with conditions. I have seen that affecting altruistic purpose. Uh, what do you think of rebuilding practice for focus? What do I think about breathing practice? Oh, breathing practice for focus. So 
in order to develop your concentration, in order to develop your focus, in order to get to this enlightened mental state, it's a comprehensive practice. There's multiple aspects of your practice that you have to build up. Breathing mindfulness meditation is one of the primary things that we do, focusing on the breath, using breathing mindfulness meditation two or three times a day. That's very, very important. It's a very high priority. The Buddha talked about this multiple times in his teachings as being kind of the sole thing that really helped propel him essentially to enlightenment. So while breathing mindfulness meditation is utterly important and nobody would be able to attain enlightenment, in my view, without practicing breathing mindfulness meditation, you also wouldn't be able to get to enlightenment with only breathing mindfulness meditation either. There's other aspects of your practice that you need to develop. One of those is something that you were mentioning, which is dissolving the ego. But there's all these steps on the Eightfold Path that need to be learned and practiced as a comprehensive approach. Oftentimes what I see is sometimes people might try to do patchwork. You know, they're having challenges with this and how do I patch that up? And then, you know, a little bit later they want to patch this up or patch that up and patch this up. But it's not until you fully decide to really dedicate time to learning the entire path to enlightenment as a comprehensive approach that you're really going to see consistent ongoing results where the mind is gradually moving to this enlightened mental state. So yes, I agree. Breathing mindfulness meditation is utterly important for you to develop concentration. But there's other things too, because if we just do breathing mindfulness meditation, but we're not also doing loving kindness meditation and our mind is still polluted with anger, hatred, and ill will, the mind's not going to be concentrated. Or if we're doing breathing mindfulness meditation and we're still not using right intention or right speech or right action, the mind's not going to be concentrated. Or if we're doing breathing mindfulness meditation and we don't understand right view, for example, the very beginning of the Buddhist teachings, understanding the Four Noble Truths. If we don't understand that and we're not practicing that, it doesn't matter how much breathing mindfulness meditation we do, we're not going to get to that peaceful, calm, serene, and content mind with joy if we don't understand right view, right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. All of these steps of the Eightfold Path and all the teachings that integrate into them are utterly important as a comprehensive practice. And that's ultimately what brings the mind to concentration and focus by practicing all of those. Many thanks, teacher. Since that, uh, these are all for today. Okay, well, thank you all for participating in today's discussion. It's been wonderful to get to know you guys a little bit better and hear about some of the struggles and challenges that you're facing and things like 12-step programs and where you're living and some of the other challenges that you guys have been experiencing in life. If you're uncomfortable with discontentedness and you're done and you're ready to let go of all this anger and you're ready to let go of all of this difficulty and this um, despair and this loneliness and this boredom and this resentment, this jealousy, this fear, this guilt, this shame, if you're ready to let go of all of that, you're absolutely in the right place to learn how to do that. That's the reason why we study Gautama Buddha's teachings is to eliminate discontentedness. This is the 
primary reason why anybody would be interested to learn and practice and progress on this path to enlightenment is having that disinterest and ever experiencing discontentedness. But it's a process. It's, it's, a, it's a path. It's not a destination. It's not something that we can click our fingers and instantly experience. But you're in the right place in a supportive environment, a community that's interested in helping you along this path and meeting you wherever you're at without any expectations whatsoever. But as you decide to learn and practice at whatever pace you decide to learn and practice at, I'm here to help you and guide you along this path, support you and encourage you along this path. You'll have to provide the dedication. You'll have to provide the determination and the diligence. I'll provide everything else. I'll provide the books, the audiobooks, the classes, the podcasts, the retreats, the personal guidance. I'll provide everything else, but you have to provide the effort, the willingness, the energy to investigate and actually do the work. And if you're willing to do the work, I'm already doing the work to meet you wherever you're at. So welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha. There's lots of resources here to help you to study this path and help you progress along this path to put an end to discontentedness so that you never have to experience those unwelcomed feelings ever again. So thank you all for continuing to learn and spend time and effort to participate in each of these classes. I'll see you in a future class, which next Wednesday or this Wednesday coming up is going to be our second class of loving kindness meditation. We have a four part series where I'm sharing loving kindness meditation. This is actually how to eliminate anger, hatred and ill will and all the lesser versions from the mind. And then next Sunday, we're going to be in chapter three. This is where the book really truly gets started, where I'm going to start sharing with you what is enlightenment in a very detailed sense, because if you're going to go on this journey to attain enlightenment, you need to understand what it is. You need to understand what it looks like wherever you live, whatever city you live in. If there's some other city in the world that you've never been to, you'd be interested to know what that city is and what's there and what kind of things can you get involved in before you choose to chart a path and travel to that city. You probably haven't ever visited a city that you know nothing about whatsoever. I'm sure there's certain situations where that might have occurred, but pretty much before you put in the hard work and effort to travel somewhere, you're going to be interested to know what that city's like. So that's why I start really with chapter three, deeply explaining what is enlightenment so that you'll know what it is so that then chapter four and five and all the rest that's where the journey really gets started and putting in the effort to actually move to this enlightened mental state. So if you join next Sunday, you can read the book prior if you'd like, where you can understand the teachings that I share in the book. Then when I share the teachings in class, it will probably raise some more questions to the mind and you'll get further along. But if you don't have time or you just prefer to read after class, you can do that as well. Some students will read before and after class, and that can be really helpful as well. So I'll see you in class either this Wednesday or next Sunday. And in the meantime, have a really lovely rest of your day. We'll see you next time. Sawadee Thank you for listening to this podcast. To provide support for this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support Buddha. 
To access more teachings, visit BuddhaDailyWisdom.com. There, you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Remember to establish a daily, consistent meditation practice, along with learning and practicing these teachings. A well-developed meditation practice is the foundation in which to train the mind to attain enlightenment.